Hello everyone, welcome to Vention, where people find passions and passions find people. Today's episode, episode number 16, I have on two of my friends and local colleagues at Grand Canyon University, Andrew Clark and Cody Bythrow. And we are going to talk about the world of animation and motion design. So, without further ado, here we go. Hi. Hello. Hello. Uh, as always, I'm Christian. I never start this way. <laughs> I don't know why I'm starting now. Your guys' names? I'm Andrew Clark. Cody Bythrow. And you two are animating majors. Yes. Yes. Well, design with emphasis in animation. You can Am call I correct? it that. That's, uh, that's what it says on the paper. But at, at the end of the day, um, Cody's definitely more of a designer. I would say I'm definitely more of an animator, though, um, mm -hmm. in terms of what you think when you think animator, right? Yeah, yeah. More like 2D. 2D character kind of stuff. Uh, very story-driven, that, uh, that sort of thing. You said you were working on, like, a three-minute film? A uh, three-minute film currently. Um, it's coming along. It's been a long production. I've been spending most of my time uh, working on it. Thankfully, it's actually coinciding with one of my classes as well. <laughs> we've been, uh, well, we've been uh, pulling some interesting strings to get that to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, coming along. I'm finally just about to finish up uh, part of the process called cleanup, which is the most boring, horrendous thing in the freaking world. If <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, literally just going over the line work and and literally cleaning it up and making it look better. Yeah, like yeah. Um, and he works hard. A lot of, a lot of. <laughs> it's funny because um, a lot of effort really goes into that side of things, and it doesn't really get a whole lot of uh, credit often. And there's actually people in the industry who are wanting to um, re-emphasize it, if you will. They're wanting to to call it something new. They want to call it um, final line artists and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, because yeah, it's it's a lot of effort. Just that one little thing is, is so much effort. Goes yeah, so much into um, the final look film or the show or whatever it is and the term cleanup just seems so easy yeah it's a, it's a convenient term um and i would say that it's actually um maybe a little bit old hat now because uh originally um back in the day during production you would have someone do the line pencil test right you would do um you'd have your animators your your Glenn Keane or your James Baxter or whoever, you know, do these amazing animations and whatnot. And then you'd have someone who would go over um, with ink uh, on the cells and actually translate it to the cells. And then, of course, those would be painted as well. Um, and nowadays, it's similar, but it's now virtually done digitally. Yeah. Um, unless we're talking a show that's, you know, sent off to uh, Korea or Japan for, for animation. And then it's uh, done traditionally a lot of times, interestingly enough. Um, but now there's so much that goes into uh, the cleanup uh, in terms of really emphasizing the animation and the action and everything like that. Um, it's it's a really heavy part of the process. And that's not to say it wasn't a heavy process before. It, it, it's always been a heavy process. Yeah. Um, I think that it's more important nowadays maybe than it, than it was. Maybe I'm just 
I have no idea what I'm talking about. I usually don't, but um, it's it just really stands out to me, especially especially being in the production, just being like, man, this this takes forever. Yeah, and, and I have it easy because I I cleaned I I when I drew out the animation initially, I was like, okay, I want to spend as little time on the cleanup as possible. Yeah, yeah. Let's just make it as good as possible first time through, right? Mm-hmm. Um, nope. And then yeah, it comes it comes to the actual cleanup, and I've already spent like a month and a half on it straight. You know? Yeah, you said the whole thing's like about, been about six months. About six months, including pre-production. It's been about two and a half months, I believe, on regular production. So things like animating out the characters um, and doing the cleanup, obviously. The next step is going to be coloring, and then finally uh, compositing. Mm-hmm. Um, and once the compositing done, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, before that, I had to come up with the characters. I had to come up with the. Um, the concept and write the write yeah. it out, do the storyboards, all that kind of stuff. The storyboards took freaking ever. Um, that was probably one of the hardest things to get down. And thankfully, I had some people to give me some really good feedback, though. I love storyboarding. Oh, I'm do? like the sketcher type. You person. do storyboarding? Uh, not officially, <laughs> but like one of my friends that were was just sitting over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm helping him him with one of his uh, Western film projects. Mm. And I was helping out a little bit with that. And it's, a ton, it's a ton of fun. I yeah. really enjoy it. It is a lot of fun doing storyboarding for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and so this is definitely the most uh, traditionally used um, form of animation that people would like anticipate, like especially when they hear it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Cody, um, you're more emphasized on like the design and different things. So for animation, uh, yours comes more at like a for like logos and like different things like that. Correct. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess you could say that. So my type of animation is called motion design, <laughs> and it's a new type of animation that's kind of come around in about the last decade. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like if you see a title sequence, like at the beginning of movies, um, like Avengers title sequence, that's motion design because it's using it's using appealing. Um, direction and lines and uh, visual effects to create something that's just like visually interesting to to the viewer Mm -hmm. so um i do create logos um i actually just animated my own logo so it's it's just cody and then like with lines and stuff um but yeah i don't really do cleanup like (laughs) yeah 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 that's one of the benefits to to so what he does is a lot of times you're working with like final assets, right? Yeah. So like once the assets are created, um, so I create them in like Adobe programs like Illustrator. I put them into After Effects. Once they're created, they're they're like created. You don't have to yeah. draw over them again. Maybe you change the line weights. Maybe you change the colors. Uh, especially uh, with like Illustrator and stuff like that. Like they're like vectored, mm-hmm. like they're, they're vector yeah, pieces. They're, it's not like you're like brush strokes and stuff like that. Yeah, and if, any, if anybody doesn't know what vector means, it's, it's it's a basically a mathematical way of describing a line or a shape, mm-hmm. and it's infinitely sizable. Um, so programs like Adobe Illustrator uses it, um, and other programs like uh, Clip Studio Paint has it. Yeah, a lot of programs nowadays actually are starting to to get used to the idea of, of vectors. Um, it's really interesting, actually, because um, uh, back in the day, uh, I used to use Flash. Mm-hmm. And Flash is vector-based. It's purely vector-based. Um, and I used CS6. So not as old as it gets. You know, you can go and talk to people who have used like Macromedia you know, way back in the day. But um, Adobe being Adobe, they, they have a hard time updating. 
Uh, and so he likes to rat on Adobe. <laughs> I, I do not. I heard it earlier today. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, basically, the the vectors are very very simple. It's it's literally kind of just a black blob, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's that's how they do their vectors. Uh, but the program I've been using nowadays for my 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 film, um, it also has vectors. Um, it has both. It has bitmap and vectors. But I've been sticking to the vectors. Um, I got away from Flash because I didn't like vectors, and for the longest time I didn't use vectors. But what I didn't like about them was that you couldn't do something that looked more natural, that looked like something that was on paper or on a cell or, mm. you know, that had a, a, a little bit more control. Yeah. Vectors seemed very computer generated. They, yeah. they were very um, uh, digital yeah. in, their, in their appearance. Uh, but nowadays, um, with programs like Clip Studio Paint or, or Toon Boom, they've found ways, they've gotten much better at, at making a much more natural line. Mm -hmm. And so you get the benefit of a, of a natural line with the benefits of vector, you know, the infinite scalability, the ability to, to, to transform it any way you want to and, and move it around very, very easily. Um, and so it's been super nice. It's actually been nice getting back into vectors and using them in that way. Super cool. And, and so what's the alternative to vectors? Bitmap, which it literally uses pixels. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, you get enough pixels in there and it'll, it'll look like a proper image. Mm -hmm. um, and the benefit of that is that's like pure control. That's like, that's the closest you're going to get to actually painting. Yeah. Right. Is, is using a bitmap because everything uses pixels. So just use the pixels. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I tend to use that a lot as well. But um, like I said, it depends on the, the situation. You know, a vector has become much more viable for the kinds of stuff that I want to do. Yeah, I guess you can, like, for example, if you want to get something done quicker, Clip Studio Paint has the ability to turn your lines into vectors. You're sort it's not of, very good. <laughs> it's not the best, but if you want to do something quickly, it's a possibility, um, just for at least rough mm -hmm. animation, and then you can go in and, and use, like, Toon Boom to refine. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely, like, no, with animation, you got to be able to go between a lot of programs you got to yeah. have um that comfort with not necessarily being set in one program mm -hmm. like there's not one program that's going to do everything yeah um i wish there was i'd be very and, like nice. adobe tries to do that uh but you know you, you the the closest thing adobe has gotten uh to like being like one set program is the cross compatibility because adobe after effects is like a motion designer's dream because it has cross compatibility with 3D programs like Cinema 4D, yeah, um, and then 2D programs like Illustrator, um, InDesign, and um, Photoshop, all that stuff. So it's a it's you know he hates on on after on a Adobe Adobe, Adobe but like it's you know if you're talking about in uh, motion design, it's really. It's really not terrible. The program itself of After Effects, <laughs> I can see how you can not necessarily like it yeah, all the time. Because, yeah. uh, see, the speed graph kind of sucks. <laughs> I hate speed graphs so much. Yeah, I programs like Maya. But, well, know. I will say, one of the reasons that I'm using, the other, the other reason I'm using Toon Boom, uh, other than you know the fact that it uses vector lines really well, um, is because it sort of is a do everything kind of program for me. 
Um, you know, it has compositing tools. You know, I don't have to worry about taking it into After Effects now and, and dealing with that. Yeah. I can do all the compositing inside of um, Toon Group, mm -hmm. um, which is a big thing, right? That's super easy. Um, so in terms of programs with extreme adaptability, with extreme levels of, um, they can pretty much do anything. The two that come to mind are Toon Boom and actually Blender, funny enough. Blender yeah. has become extremely um, capable in both 2D and 3D. It's, yeah, it's I've really incredible. noticed that. Um, um, I've not messed around with it too much. I've, I would actually like to learn a little bit more Blender, but um, it's I've seen some pretty it's really interesting. Stuff. Yeah, have yeah. you used it? Um, no, but like I, I've re I've I've recently seen some really interesting like tutorials and different things on like people's abilities and stuff like that and creating what appears to be 2D comics out of yeah. 3D models yeah. is very interesting. Like the, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, oh man, uh, Borderlands, the game, oh, yeah, like the, yeah. um, the black outline. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I forget oh, what that's called. People call it cell shading. Cell it's shading. actually not cell shading, funny enough. Um, but that's kind of become the modern term yeah. for that look is, is cell shading. But something like that would be, so time consuming for a 2D animation because it's consistently changing borders and stuff like that. Yeah, and meanwhile, yeah. uh, in like a 3D program like Blender, you're able to turn it and, it and it's basically like the whole thing about like mathematics and stuff and how it's like, yes, it can be straining, especially when it comes to like vectors and things like mm -hmm. that. But then when it comes to like full scale models and different things like that, like in Blender and in actually, uh, funny enough, like Unity, uh, and these video game design uh, companies are actually get, becoming very re relevant in animation and in um, uh, environment creating and stuff like that. Well, oh, yeah. have he, you seen what they've done in Mandalorian? Mandalorian, yeah, that's yeah. What, exactly what I was thinking. Incredible stuff. Yeah, they 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 built this entire room in a complete circle. I think it's like uh, 30, 40 uh, yards like wide, mm -hmm. uh, and then like twenty tall. And it's an it's an entire cylinder, and unlike all green screens and blue screens, it's in it's immediate screens mm -hmm. like like they're just it's projected it's projected screens so that at every second that the camera actually has a tr has a tracker rig on it as you would would with like a an Oculus mm -hmm. or like a three D um, like like one of those programs and stuff like that so using video game engine stuff they're able to move the camera and the background of the projection changes with the camera not with the person's eye mm -hmm. it's really interesting so yeah. so what looks like thousands hundreds and thousands of dollars um of spending money to to build sets to to create sets like Find location immediate like uh finding locations transporting all of the equipment to these locations Literally, they they show you what it's gonna look like immediately, and they actually have. I, I saw a couple of things about it. Literally, they have all of these computer animators and video game designers sitting on the sidelines with their computers, and they and the the director says, "Can we move that boulder? And can we see a little bit more of the mountain?" And literally, they'll they'll change it immediately. And like there are points where like one of the characters like points off into the into the distance, and and like visually like with their eye looks at a, at one of the ships 
Well, you would have to guess where that is or have a tra have a tracking marker. Yeah. Like in normal cinematography. Uh, yeah. In, but they're actually able to physically look and straight at it and be yeah, and great. like all this super cool stuff. But that it, that's video game engines and like Blender is like one of those things where it's like kind of like cross compatible where you yeah. can grab things from Blender and throw it into Unity. It's not quite there, but yeah. it's getting there. It, yeah. It's it's getting pretty close. But like the fact that like these engines and things that weren't supposed to be animating engines are suddenly becoming an animator's dream or like a help. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting. So so kind of two things kind of come to mind. And the first is um, as far the 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 biggest benefit I can think of, you know, the the visual of it, you know, putting the actor actually in the place is a, is a huge benefit. But um, what also really comes out, uh, kind of thinking from my perspective as a, as a as an artist, is um, matching the lighting, um, because when you have light being projected onto your actors, um, now you don't have to worry about matching the lighting. That was one of the hardest things about green screens and blue screens back in the day was matching the lighting yeah, so that you yeah, could exactly. actually have it in the scene. Well, with the the projected light. You don't have to worry about that. That's that's something that's that's right there. Um, and then actually on the topic of the utilization of video game engines, that's actually a really interesting subject because we um, kind of explored that when I was talking about Chatham. Remember, yeah. it was back in I think 2010. It's a long story, but the short end of it is basically a guy got the opportunity to make a show, and it ended up just being an experiment. It's kind of a sad story in its own right. Um, but it essentially was an experiment to see what uh, a company, Warner Brothers at the time, um, could do with uh, game engines for production. Hmm. Um, because game engines, obviously, they're very powerful. Um, I think at that time, that was the Unreal Engine 3 or 2. I can't remember when. Uh, it would probably be 2. In 2010, yeah. I think so. Um, and so they... they um, it's a really interesting history. It's 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 kind of a harrowing tale as well for for a, for a, a creator, you know, to to hear um, having your work kind of be this experiment, this kind of yeah, side yeah, yeah. project, if you will. Um, but really fascinating how that's sort of now coming to fruition. How these companies, these larger companies, are beginning to realize, hey, wait a minute, you know, Unreal Engine Four is out, you know, and it looks pretty dang good. Um, it borderline can look real like real graphics, right? Yeah. Um, how can we use that, right? We can, we can, we can actually use that. And so um, it's been really fascinating. What's really kind of caught my attention is um, how much the individual can do now. Yeah. Um, you have tools like the Unreal Engine, which basically anybody can go out and get and given enough time and effort and resources or whatever, you know, even as an individual, mm -hmm. you can do something that would have, even 10 years ago taken you know a team of 100 people to do yeah that's incredible uh there's a uh okay what i i'm blanking on the name but there's a board game mm -hmm. and uh the figures um are these big bulky are you thinking warhammer 40k yes uh astartes uh the astartes the, project the animation yeah, yeah yeah that's exactly what i was thinking so yeah like that it, is that the project that, that you're talking was, about? Yeah, that was basically what I was alluding to. <laughs> yeah, like this guy. Uh, are you familiar with mm -hmm. it? Yeah, it's insane. It's literally this indie developer just created his own animation that it that surpasses, um, that meets if not surpasses, full fledged multi million dollar animating. 
companies. Yeah. I think he had maybe two or three other people helping with some of the texturing stuff. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Otherwise, it was basically his efforts. Completely. Um, and like, yeah. and like when people specialize in movement and mechanics and stuff like that, and then other people specialize in materials, he put that all together in, was it Unity? It was a combination. I think it was Cinema 4D. I would assume so. Redshift and... Was I'm it not familiar with Redshift. Redshift is a rendering. Uh, oh, yeah, probably. It's Cinema 4D. Yeah. Because there was some procedural stuff, like with the world sort of thing that they weren't quite sure what it was. Yeah, the orb or whatever. Orb, the, yeah. the circle, the sphere. How, from, how familiar do you have to be in this kind of stuff for uh, design? With, with 3D? Um, wait, with what? Motion design? Um, yeah, like, I mean, so my program doesn't necessarily cover motion design, mm -hmm. um, but motion, I guess it's technically its own thing, but programs that do cover motion design are like Cinema 40 and, um, like After Effects. So I'm re really familiar with After Effects. Mm -hmm. Um, what's his name? Uh, Ben Marriott. Have you ever looked him up on YouTube? He's, um, one of the leaders in, in, um, motion designer right now he'll teach a lot about that and he's worked at as an intern and now has a job at buck studios which is one of the top motion design companies but yeah you gotta you gotta be familiar with at least the basic programs like after effects and cinema 40 mm -hmm. i love cinema 40 it's so cool there's there's like so many procedural things you can do and it makes you feel like you just like you have access to all these tools, even though you literally don't know what you're doing. <laughs> like, you just throw some stuff together, and you're like, wow, I did that. Yeah. Like, the program is doing all the work, and you're just the one, yeah. like, dragging and dropping. So it's great, yeah. That's um, super cool. So, but, like, um, so, like, basically speaking, a majority of, like, the high-end, high-end, like, like you said, the Marvel uh, cinematic, like, opener and stuff like that, like, the high-level things, would you say they're all pretty much on the same uh softwares um like for the stardies thing like you could probably do that with cinema 40 it it all depends on like how good of a computer do you have to render this oh thing? okay do you yeah. have like i mean do you have the right knowledge of lighting composition mm -hmm. modeling all of the texturing and all that you have the right programs to do that um I think it's it's just a combination of like your skills and like the computer you have. Yeah. Because a lot of the work, like, uh, I think I read that Pixar's frames, like for their for their movies, like a Pixar frame would take like a day to render. Like that's how complex <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um. So you got to have either a render farm or like crazy computer yeah. to render that stuff. It's not like you can't expect someone with just like a a MacBook Air, yeah, to be able to do this stuff, you gotta yeah, yeah. kind of set yourself up for it, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's kind of the nice thing I like about 2D, though, is it's it's a bit more accessible in that regard. Um, it can be a little bit once you start getting into like comping and stuff like that. But for the most part, if you want to make animations, 2D animations, you pretty much can do that with just about anything. Yeah. Um, any modern machine can yeah. run at least one program that'll allow you to make something. At what, least. What's a good starting program? A good starting program, if you want to be like minimal budget, minimal, you, you know, you're, you're a young um, kid in high school or you're in college and you don't have a lot of money, there is a program called Krita. 
Um, personally, I don't care for it. I've have I've had a lot of issues in the past with it. Um, you know, crashing and stuff like that. But for the well, price uh, of don't, free, don't don't say that. Just get <laughs> just get him into animating. <laughs> well, but for the price of free, um, you can't beat it. It's a very powerful, um, uh, very powerful program. If I uh, back in the day, you know, I used to use um, Flash, right? Mm -hmm. When I was in high school, I would have killed for Krita. I would have done anything to get my hands on a program that was that robust back mm -hmm. in the day. And now it's just there for free, right? Um, so extremely accessible. Um, it gets better every day. You know, it's updating. It's open source and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, as well, if you want to do like 3D stuff or, or more of that uh, that side of thing, obviously Blender is also free. Mm -hmm. um, obviously doing 3D takes a little bit more resources for like computer and everything like that. Um, but in general... You know, those two programs alone, you can do some incredible things. I've seen some incredible stuff done in Krita alone. Um, mm. The robustness of its of its layout, you know, it's 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 virtually like Photoshop, right? You can yeah, do yeah. Um, do pretty much everything you want to do. You know, maybe it ha it's missing one or two features, but I'm sure that there are workarounds and that there are ways of of, of handling or doing what you really want to do. Um, and so, yeah, that's as far as um, the easiest way to get into it, probably Krita, honestly. Yeah. And and your replacement for Krita is Toon Boom. Well, so currently I'm using Toon Boom um, for uh, for animating and everything like that. And I love Toon Boom. Explain what that is exactly. So Toon Boom is a is probably the number one professional 2D animation program. Most of the shows that you know. Um, probably use Toon Boom. Hmm. Uh, things like, let's see, um, uh, Rick and Morty, um, Hilda, uh, I think uh, Castlevania definitely used it. Um, lots of different, um, lots of different shows and, and, and freelance projects and everything like that use it. Uh, big studios, small studios, everyone uses it because it's so adaptable. You can do puppet rigging, you can do uh, frame by frame, you can do comping inside of it. You can do pretty much what you want to do in it as, uh, uh, in terms of, of 2D. Yeah. So it is incredibly powerful. That being said, it's actually not my favorite program. My number one favorite program is actually Clip Studio Paint. Hmm. Uh, Clip Studio Paint, to me, is the most natural feeling um, digital art program I've ever used. Um, I'm not much of a... Not just specifically for art, but for animating as well? Yes, actually. Um, I would say that the animation tools, obviously, like, they are nowhere near as robust as Toon Boom. Toon Boom is specifically designed for animation. That's mm -hmm. what you do in it. Uh, Clip Studio Paint used to go by a different title. It used to go by Manga Studio. Uh, it's Japanese, it, so it was designed to make manga and you know Japanese comics or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so it was designed around that and it has tools for doing panels and that kind of thing. They later on started working with um, places like um, Toei and, and other animation studios over in Japan to make an animation program. So the animation tools are a little bit uh, slapped on, if you will. They're not bad per se. Um, in fact, they're very good, but they are very rudimentary. They're very fundamental tools. Um, you're not going to be able to do uh, 3D parallaxing very easily, you know, yeah, right? Yeah. You're not going to be able to do those kinds of things. But uh, as far as doing frame, really nice, natural, 
borderline almost pencil test looking frame-by-frame uh, -frame animation, Clip Studio Paint is a great option. I absolutely love that program. Because as a digital artist, um, it's kind of funny. I wish I was, as a digital artist, I wish I was a traditional artist because I love the look of, you know, inking and everything like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm terrible at traditional. Uh, in fact, I didn't really start drawing until I got into digital when I was in high school. And that was the first time I actually felt like I could do what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Pencil and paper always felt limiting to me. It always felt like this restriction. I couldn't get used to it. The second that I started drawing digitally, it was just like, I love this. I, I enjoy this. I'm, I'm engaged in this. Yeah. And so for me, my job is, or, or my, my effort is put towards how can I make it look like it wasn't drawn on the computer? Mm -hmm. what, what are some ways that I can make it look more natural? And Clip Studio Paint has been the number one option for me because it's just so natural. And that, I guess one of the things you have done uh, to help with that is create your own brushes, right? I, I haven't done a whole lot of brush creation. I've done a little bit. But actually, I've, I've, I've mostly found brushes online. Okay. There's a lot of different brushes. There's a lot of resources for the program yeah. um, out there. Um, and so I've come across, uh, actually a couple friends found brushes for me. Funny enough, I, I'm friends with people who use the program and, you know, we always will just share brushes and trip tips and tricks and all that kind of stuff. And, um, so one day a friend of mine was like, yo, I know this, this nice gouache brush set, uh, that you can use. And he, he passed it on to me and free download, everything like that. And I've been using those and they've been absolutely fantastic. Um, and then on, on the side of that, most of the brushes I've made are actually ink brushes um, for doing like custom ink stuff. Okay. So that I, I have done a little bit of brush uh, construction and it's, it's wonderful. I absolutely love it. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, you talked about After Effects. Not very many people know what After Effects is. Um, that is like key, keyframe heaven. Like, yeah, it's pretty much just all keyframes from what I, I've experienced from it. Yeah, it really is. You you kind of got to Well, the first thing you should do when you get into After Effects is um, like pray. one pray. <laughs> <laughs> one like get to know the user interface and like get to know the timeline because um, it's a lot different than other programs. Um, like one thing talked about, like it's a speed graph and the keyframing for that is pixels per inch hmm. and um, it's completely separate from the position over time so normal 3d programs like if you keyframe something um it would be like you would have position over time and then you would have the um the speed sort of in the background like relating to that and you control the position it would control the speed um, and you wouldn't necessarily need to like mess with the speed individually, but with After Effects, you kind of got to keyframe speed individually. And it's in a way, it's nice because that's where you see all those great like ease, eased animations, um, like stuff that's really smooth. Um, you kind of get that effect if you really play with the time with the timing. Mm -hmm. um, so in that way, it's good. But like, yeah, you kind of got to learn the keyframing. Um, you got to learn. There's like three kind of types of keyframing that you should know. And the big one is easy easing. Um, and like, there's just basic keyframing with, if you think about like, if you do, if you do like someone's hand moving, um, you do start off with maybe like a couple keyframes spread far apart. And then when you get to the end, you, you get the keyframes slower together. If you're thinking like frame yeah, by yeah. frame, um, 
in After Effects, you would put one keyframe at the beginning, one at the end, and then it would be easy eased. And you would drag the time all the way out so that it has like um, an exponential curve. Yes. Showing that the pixels over time is increasing until it gets faster or slower at the end. Mm -hmm. um, like once you know those fundamentals, you'll be able to handle a lot of stuff. Um, and then it just comes down to how are you gonna design it, so. So, it, so it's a lot less like, um, I, I, I would say that a majority of, if not all the things that I see from After Effects, they're, they're not trying, uh, unlike uh, these other programs that you're talking about, uh, they're not trying to look hand drawn but still have the motion of, um, still have like light yeah. motion and stuff. Like yeah, that. that's the that's the idea is like, um, you know, the 12 principles of animation, one of them is, um, one of them is like squash and stretch and that plays in with yeah. physics, like real world physics, you wanna make it look realistic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the goal of animation is to make something be relatable to the real world, not necessarily like pixel perfect, mm -hmm. like this is a, a real life uh, person or whatever, like you can stylize it, but as long as it has motion in the real world, you'll be able to make it believable. And yeah. that's kind of one of the things of animation that really makes people stand out, so. So uh, what, what are you wanting to do with uh, uh, motion design? Uh, with with motion design, yeah, I so there's a there's a company actually Andrew talked about Hilda, um, <laughs> so there's a company in Vancouver uh, called Atomic Cartoons. I talked to them a couple Ooh. about a month ago, and they are like crazy good. They've worked on um, a lot of projects for name brand companies, like one of them Netflix. They did um, kids. Last Kids on Earth, Hilda, um, they're doing like a Star Wars Lego special or something for this Christmas. Oh, that one just came out. Yeah, you might have seen it. They they worked on that. So they like, do a, what do you mean when they worked on that? So they not only do, um, they not only do like full-time series, but they also do a lot of like promotional pieces. Oh, so, so they're still animating, like the full-on, like... They are, so... What I'm thinking of being part of is a whole production studio. I, I want to be, I want to be part of a huge team. Like I don't want to, yeah, yeah, kind of do my own thing. Like that's not what an animator is for. They're mm -hmm. meant to work as a team. So I want to do that. And like they're, they got a huge studio. You kind of got to move there and be part of it. Yeah, experience the life there to really, you know, get involved. But that's kind of my goal. So you know, move to like a maybe move somewhere out of the state or i don't know stay in my hometown yeah. and work in salt lake because there's a lot in salt lake so oh that's cool yeah um so like when it comes to like uh motion design you're not like especially for you you're not limiting yourself to like just like the the graphical title scenes and stuff like that but you would still like indulge in the animation side as well well uh, so motion design is kind of difficult to describe. It, yeah. It's not, so I know I described it as like title sequences and uh -huh. logos, and, but they also cover like character animation. If oh, needed. okay. 
Mm -hmm. So they do have motion designers who do a lot of it is like character animation for um, commercials. So mm. they don't do like if you see like a movie or TV show and you see a character being animated, that's not a motion designer. If mm -hmm. you see like a commercial with like heavy style reference, mm -hmm. um, something like thin line weights, grain effect, um, really, really unique and dramatic perspective changes. That's usually a motion designer. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I so I it's know what it's kind of it's kind of specific. It's kind of broad. It's a hard term to describe. Yeah. But it, yeah, I follow a motion designer. Now that you're like referencing like the extreme changes yeah. in yeah. perspective and different things, things that uh, I'm not saying an animator wouldn't do, but are kind of things that are um, an animators don't necessarily see the point in it. Like when it comes to like story driven and it, stuff like it that. It certainly depends yeah. on the story. It yeah. depends. It really does. But it's also just, uh, but when you, especially when you said for like commercials and stuff like that, um, I would, yeah, I can definitely see what you're saying now. Like, I can picture it in my head, like, the, the bleh. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Like, there's a, let's see, Sam Doug, Samsung did a um, group of commercials recently um, called What, is, what a Human Is, hmm. and they worked with a few companies. Um, one of them is in Portland. Imagine that. Uh, <laughs> And they did four different companies, four different commercials. And um, the thing about like the style is it's not, it, the visual style like pushes the story even more. So in a way, like I think motion design can help influence like that, like just general storytelling. Um, motion graphics actually, it, it is interesting how sort of pure motion can sort of be very attractive to even yeah, animators. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, especially if you look over in uh, in Eastern animation, um, I would say that motion graphics or, or motion, just, just motion in general, right, is much more of a, a, a looser term, mm -hmm. right? Where it's it's about the the visual rather than being like, just a character, you know, swinging a sword or something like yeah. that, right? There's a lot of of okay, how how do we get the motion across? Mm -hmm. And so physics is like a less less yeah known. yeah right. You want that. So there's another principle. I think is it might be the twelfth principle of animation um, called exaggeration. Mm -hmm. And so it's that exaggeration of motion itself, you know, that has become is becoming quite popular nowadays. I think. Um, where it's like, let's just take it to the next degree. Let's just, let's go crazy, right? Yeah. We can do a lot of things now because of the digital age and everything yeah, yeah. like that. Um, and so you've, we've seen an expansion of that. We've, we've seen an expansion in just, you know, all the way. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's go all the way with just motion. Yeah. So, so like my best definition I could probably think of at this very moment for motion design is like, the exaggerated um, use of motion to the most appeal. Yes, I, I would agree with that actually. Like yeah. something that like, because um, like not saying that animators don't put effort into like every frame, mm -hmm. but they are trying to, no matter what it takes, like for that five seconds of, uh, for that single shot mm -hmm. or even one half a second or whatever, like it's to the extreme, to the, 
it's almost like a science rather than it it is just like still yeah. used as just like a story tool. True. I, I would actually agree with that. There's actually a um um I don't know if you've watched the uh, the corridor guys review yes. things. They reviewed the movie um Speed Racer. Hmm. I, I watched that not too long. And w- originally, you know, when that movie came oh, out I was young. That's like the the white car yeah, with like yeah, the yeah. red. I was just thinking about that. And when it came out, you know, I kind of wrote it off. When I was younger, I kind of wrote it off. I was like, oh, you know, a goofy movie or whatever. Yeah. But they looked into the the shot composition, the motion of it, and it is one of the most interesting combinations of motion design and motion graphics in a story uh, mm-hmm. setting um, to, to tell a story. Um, it was absolutely fascinating. They did a really good um, review of it and just like, and obviously they were going crazy because, you know, they're more in line with, you know, the motion design yeah, kind, yeah. Of, kind of aspect of things. Um, but that was, I, I think that that movie is a perfect indication that the, of why we're having such a hard time um, fi- figuring out the definition, right? Yeah. I think the line is becoming more and more blurred because these options are just so open to yeah. us now. Yeah. Um, and it, it's very effective. It's, it's, it's incredibly um, effective, you know, being able to use, you know, just pure motion graphics or something like that for still story yeah. or use story for motion graphics. Right. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's not of, something that's absent. Yeah. They blend into each other. And, and the thing is, like, motion design came out of animation. It was like yeah, yeah. sort of this thing that broke off from it. Uh, you know, when, when people wanted to do their own thing, yeah. realized they could have their own studios and really push the limits um like i think x games there was an animation um that buck studio did for x games 2012 which really gives you a good idea of the possibilities for motion design and um it combines like motion tracking and frame by frame which is another thing that's not really talked about i talked about after effects but um they also use frame by frame animation for mm-hmm. motion design and that's where a lot of the visual effects comes in yeah um so it's you kind of like you really got to be versatile and with with all of that it's you know the possibilities are endless Mm -hmm. and then they you know there's no real i think in the end it's just all about creating cool art it's like make a good story make it appealing it's like that's what it's all about yeah Uh, it's it's about making it appealing and everything but motion uh designers uh they're not lacking in anything they're just overemphasizing in the realm of motion specifically yeah yeah that, that's I guess you'd say that yeah. yeah whereas someone like say a character animator um that's more a degree of, of acting right yeah. that's more much more similar to acting yeah um and so yeah i would say that it's it's more of an emphasis than a definition so, so animation is still relatively confined in real world scenario kind of well, things. I see, and the term animation is is a blanket term. Yeah, at yeah, this yeah. Point. You know, it includes motion graphics. It's, yeah. It includes effects animation. It includes so when you say an animator, I mean that's everyone, right? Yeah. That's anybody who does anything with motion, regardless. Totally. Right? But you have people who are um, character animators, or mm-hmm. or uh, effects animators, or uh, motion graphics animators, and things like that, right? That yeah. are these emphases. Um, and then on top of that, you know. If you know the principles and you know the bases and you're you're really established in all of them, you can pretty much go between any and or uh, or any and all of them mm-hmm. um, if you have that drive if that's what you want to do, um, you know. So it comes down ultimately it comes down to what do you want to do? Yeah. 
So, so on a team, um, if an animator is better at putting it on paper or putting it digitally, but the motion designer has more of the science behind it, would they, you would assume that they would work together to create the maximum best uh, for that opportunity or for that scene, the best outcome? Absolutely. So, so when you're saying that like there's these big teams and stuff like that, not necessarily as every person a character animator or everybody's like a scene animator. So like yeah. sometimes be, it's literally just, just look at the credits in movies. Yeah, oh, I know that. <laughs> but like but so you're saying that there there are people that will just say yes, it moves naturally and yet like in the confines of natural movement, yes. But as far as storytelling or emphasis and different things, you would be able to be almost like a consultant in a sort of way. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't even want to step into that realm. Personally, <laughs> I just want to specific. I mean, talking for a lot of motion designers, we're kind of here just for the visuals. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there's not really a whole lot of motion designers that work on big films. Mm -hmm. Like, they only need them for specific things. So, so you got to beat everybody else that wants that position. I know, yeah. It's <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it, it you know it's funny because there's a lot of emphasis on the competitiveness of this this industry and there is something to say about that but the truth be told i this is such a collaborative field mm -hmm. that you you can actually be too competitive uh, i feel if you are restricting yourself from interacting with other people there's lots of people who like hide their secrets as it were yeah um, that's a great way to ostracize yourself from the community Hmm. Um, because people do not like that. They, they don't want to work with you if you're going to do that. If you're going to be kind of this selfish individual, you know, animation is so bent around working together to get a product because it is such an undertaking that, you know, it's only competitive, you know, maybe to like a 25% degree, right? The other 75% is we just need to get this done. <laughs> so if, so at the rate that you're going three minutes is for six months, Mm-hmm say a full length even just a 30 minute would take five five years yeah hypothetically speaking. hypothetically yes and and truth be told i'm taking a lot of shortcuts <laughs> yeah and so this is a like you could be as good as you like you could be the best animator out there you could be the best motion designer out there but what you're saying is like unless you're willing to and able to work with a team and share and kind of collaborate collaborate then you're kind of just stuck on your own. Yeah, and man, I would love to work with the team. This is actually the first project that I've worked on where I wasn't doing absolutely everything. Hey. <laughs> um, I have a sound guy I'm working with, and it's been a wonderful to just be like, hey, uh, can you take care of this? And him be like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then get, he gets back to me, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't have to worry about it yeah. now, right? I, I just have to kind of review it and give my feedback and stuff like that. I can just focus on what I do. Yeah, know? and granted, this is your passion project, mm -hmm. but like hypothetically speaking, in like a bigger team environment, mm -hmm. you'd strictly just be animating. Yeah, I mean, even if even directors, even directors have to learn how to share a vision. Yeah, um, you you have to bring people into that vision. You have to bring people into that engagement or else it's going to be a bad time. You're going to fall into development hell because no one wants to be there. Yeah. Right. So it's a balancing act, right? It's a balancing act where, you know, you're sacrificing control for, for that, that, um, that inclusivity of ideas, right. Yeah. Um, for that sort of melting pot sort of mentality. Mm -hmm. And so, 
you know, the goal of a director isn't necessarily to, um, I'm going to, we're going to do it my way and I'm going to tell you how to do it kind of thing. It's to pull them into the vision to keep it, to keep it on the path that needs to go. Right. Cause everybody's yeah, yeah, going to yeah. have a million ideas. One go every which way, but loose. Mm-hmm. Um, but so your, your goal, you know, you have a final product you need to get to. Um, but at the same time, you want to pull people in to that experience. You mm-hmm. want them to engage with, it. you don't want them to just be this, you know, chain to their table, you know, working 24 seven on something they don't care about. Right. Yeah. You want them to have this, this expression of freedom because that will give you the better product. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, when you, when you have, you know, three people, that's a lot easier, right? You know, you, you can all kind of talk about it and whatnot. When you have a hundred people or 200 people or 300 people, that becomes so much harder. Yeah. And that's actually why I think that one of the greatest, just cinematic films of all time is actually uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Um, because everything that came together to make that movie, it's incredible. Watching the behind the scenes and stuff like that of that film. Um, I can't imagine organizing that. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine being able to pull, you know, 200 to 800 different visions together. Yeah. Right. That's astronomical especially when so many people have opinions on it it's, yeah and especially for something like the lord of the rings which is just this already has like by that point like millions 60 years it had like 60 years worth of 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 thought put into yeah. it by everyone you know? and when it, when it reaches that even after like one year people are so opinionated about it yeah and, and in 60 years there's going to be people who have read it at, as they're in their youth mm-hmm. that are so enthralled in it that the moment that you you make one decision that's against to what their perfect view of it is mm-hmm. everybody has their own perfect view quote unquote yeah and so that's why like like say star wars right now like mm. People have so many opinions uh, through different directors um, and stuff like that. Like the moment that something isn't like according to their perfect, perfect idea of it, then it's going to it's going to throw it way out of whack. Well, and I think that, you know, that's kind of very telling, you know, as compared to to Lord of the Rings, which, you know, people can claim, oh, it's not perfect. Right. It doesn't have this, that and the other thing. Right. But at the end of the day, it's pretty dang good. It's got a lot there. Right. It did the best what what it could. It balanced a lot of things Mm -hmm. Um, as compared to something like modern Star Wars, where it really feels like it feels like someone wanted to be the headline name. That's the best way I can describe it. Right. They wanted it to be their vision. Yeah. And so you have these competing directors. George Lucas in, 2.0. <laughs> well, and you're, you're taking it into these two different directions, right? And it just does not mesh and it just does not work, yeah. you know, and that's, that's a whole discussion for another mm-hmm. time. But it just, it comes to show you, you know, no, a director is not the man with the vision, you know, the big cheese, the, the guy who's going to, you know, tell you what it is, you know, he's the guy who's trying to engage you in, you know, the experience, to get you to want to contribute to that that final product yeah. that you all are a part of, right? And so animators um, oftentimes um, are much more conditioned for that, I feel, because they realize how small they are. That being said, you know, ego, unfortunately, has its way of um, intervening in everything. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, a lot of the people that I've met, um, they understand that. They understand just how difficult it is and and the the worth of even someone who does cleanup right (laughs) you know kind of bringing it full circle there um and so it's so important to just balance all of that Mm -hmm. definitely and like 
that that emphasis and that like drive for that quote unquote perfectionist view. Um, how did you guys get into uh, animation, or like what sparked your idea for animation? You want to go first, or should I? Because <laughs> uh, I'll be talking for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So I really didn't want to do animation. <laughs> I went to school for architecture at Ball State and thought it would be an architect the rest of my life, but that kind of fell short. So um, the closest thing that this school had to architecture was animation. Hmm. And you know, I thought, well, it has a little bit more freedom. You can create buildings in 3D space, I guess. Mm -hmm. Sort of pretend to be an architect, but not really. And uh, no, that influenced a lot of my work. and. Um, so yeah, now I'm like about to graduate and I think, I think it was a good decision. You, you like it better than you did when you made the decision, right? I do. It's like in the end, it's like, I would rather be an animator than an architect. Hmm. Um, I really do love animation because of the freedom it has mm -hmm. and architecture is just, you know, I've heard from my architecture teachers at Ball State that it's like probably... 90% business and like 10% work. Yeah. Or 10% design, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you're really like, you kind of get tricked going there. It's like they, they, <laughs> they'd make you do a bunch of design work and whatnot. And then they're like, oh, by the way, you got to like communicate with people yeah. like in email 90% of the time. You got to like sign papers. You got to make sure this happens. And like five years later, maybe you'll have a building. <laughs> or you can be like Frank Gehry and crumple up a piece of paper and throw it on the ground and it's a building I don't know if you get that high then at that point you just make other people do your work <laughs> well I guess animation is the same way in that regard True, yeah, I guess <laughs> you become a director and it's like okay I need you to do this there's there's actually someone I, I, I've talked to a few times who's, who's, who does a lot more directing than he does animating now and he's like yeah I miss it I, I used to do a lot of animation and now I'm just like oh. doing drawovers and stuff like that so I do yeah. miss animation he enjoys it he still really enjoys doing directing stuff like that he's worked hard for it he still works hard but um he does miss animating yeah. because you're you're so distracted with meetings and you know okay we got to do revisions on this you know yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Me yeah. me as a uh, entrepreneurial studies major mm -hmm. um, for being in business, um, they tell you that sometimes um, the uh, like businesses can completely fail because the uh, CEO or the the starter of the startup company they liked doing something so much that they still want to do it and they just won't let it go. And that, that isn't necessary. And, and, and that comes with like, um, like building something, creating something like media or physical, like whatever it is, like, like let's say somebody's creating like a mechanical, uh, like a mechanics shop. Mm -hmm. If they still like working on something that the company won't grow to its full potential. Um, however, it's no longer their vision to create that full potential as long as they still enjoy what they do. Mm -hmm. That's why not everybody in the world is trying to become the next multi-billion Apple company. It's, but yeah. people are literally just enjoying what they do and, and they just continue doing it. And yeah. so like when it comes to being a director and stuff like that, there has to come a time where they kind of like step back and stuff like that. But that never means that they, they'd prefer it. Like, like what you're saying in, mm -hmm. this, in this instance, animating is so much fun to so many people 
that it's just something that they always enjoy and they always want to keep trying to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess kind of on that note, you know, the, the way that I got into to animating, I, I always say that I fell into animation backwards. <laughs> I started off writing. When I was younger, when I was in like middle school and stuff like that, I, I had a, a revelation, if you will, where I realized how much I like writing and specifically, you know, writing fiction and stories and things like that. Right? You know, I, I wanted to do my own stories and everything. Um, and so I finally determined, I was like, wait a minute, you know, I've had these assignments in the past, right, in school. Oh, write a creative story, right? I don't need anybody to tell me to write a creative story. I can just do that on my own. I can just have fun with it, right? And so I, I got into that for a while. I was writing stories um, for hours into the night um, on weekdays, you know, and waking up tired the next morning, going to school and everything like that. Um, and did that for a long time. And I thought, man, that's what I want to do. You know, I, I didn't even do very much drawing at that time. I was I wasn't someone who was born with a pencil in his hand. Um, and so finally, eventually, you know, time goes on, time goes on, time goes on. And. I still love writing. I still love doing all that kind of stuff. But I began to realize um, how much you could do with with visuals, um, and that it kind of lingered in my mind. At first, I thought, "No, I can just write it, right? You know, I, I'm I can just put words together. That's the easiest way to do it. That's the fastest way to do it. Drawing takes so much effort, and um, I still believe that. But um, as time went on, I began to realize that there was so much potential there. And so I remember as I was playing a game, I was playing Rayman Origins uh, when it came out and I fell in love with that art style and I fell in love with the, the backgrounds and the animation in the world. And I was just like, I can't describe that in a book. You know, I, I can't describe this, this crazy, strange world um, with words, at least not to this degree, not to this experience. I need to start drawing. Mm -hmm. I, I need to at least play around with it. Yeah. And so I started drawing and just doing these, dueling these little fun characters and stuff like that. I was terrible at it, but it, it was fun. Um, it was the first time I'd had fun with drawing. And so as time went on, I kind of just started getting better and better and better. And I fell into animation. I started messing around with animation in the multimedia class that I was in. And um, my teacher eventually, you know, I, I was I was doing it more and more and more. I was drawing digitally and I, I got a, a digital drawing pad. And finally, my instructor, he's like, you know, you've been getting into animation and all that kind of stuff. Why we have a um, film festival coming up for the for the, the high school. Why don't you submit something? Why don't you uh, make a film? Uh, that would be really cool. You got about six months. <laughs> And why, why don't you just painfully, <laughs> painstakingly do something that you've never done before to the best of your ability for six months? And <laughs> Well, funny enough, I guess I had the right mentality because I was all for it and I enjoyed yeah, just about every awesome. moment of it. And so I was like, yeah, you know, that sounds like a lot of fun. Like if I'm going to do it, if I'm going to do something with it. This is the perfect. This is the opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And 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 I actually produced it in about four months. I I started a little bit later um and so I, I worked for four months you know every time i got time you know i i would go to the, the the classroom and i would just work on it and stay up until like five in the morning working on it back home and um eventually submitted it and showed it and it was it was kind of a funny story because uh, uh during the display um everybody else submitted like a windsurfing video or a skateboarding video or, you know, some, some kind of like sports video or something. Uh -huh. like. Then here comes this weird 
freak show cartoon you know, <laughs> about this this little dude who can paint pictures and you know reach through and grab things from him and stuff like that you know this really weird idea that i had been playing around with and it won grand prize and I absolutely, I just love the feeling of sharing the story and stuff like that. That was the first time I shared a story, like truly, you know, in, in sort of a, a quote unquote official way. And um, I was like, I want to do this. I want to keep going with this. I, I want to uh, continue kind of moving forward with this and, and see where this goes. Um, but at the heart of it, at the heart of all of it, I still consider myself a storyteller. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, I, I, I've done a lot of things and I want to do a lot of things. I, I have ideas for comics. I have ideas for animated series. I have ideas for, for short films. I have ideas for, for music, right? Mm -hmm. And animation, what I love about animation is it's almost like this pure art form, this pure storytelling because it, you can do everything, right? Mm -hmm. You can do visual storytelling. You can do uh, dialogue. You can do uh, music. You can do um, motion, right? And it's it's just so pure in and of itself. You can do anything and you don't need to go out and hire actors and, and everything like that, right? Yeah. Find locations. You know, you're, you're just limited to your ability and that is purely limited to how much time you put into it. And so I loved that idea. And, and, and how much you love Adobe. Oh, gosh. No, no. <laughs> Thankfully, we live in an age where you don't have to rely on Adobe. <laughs> you but, just described everything that can be done using a video camera. In what way? Storytelling. That's Well, certainly. Except you can't, you know, you can't. But how? Okay. Way, but. Okay. But if I want to tell a story on the, that's set on the moon... Right. Either I'm going to have to build a set. I can't just go to the moon, but if I can draw it, then I kind of can. Right. Yeah. And I can make it look really interesting. I can make it look like my moon. Right. And I can do everything that way. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so my moon is better than your moon. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> is it to scale? To scale. Holy crap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's what got me into it was was that freedom, that ability, um, and yeah, I've I've just been kind of going forward ever since, and I really hope one day I get to actually work on a team because on my word, having to do every little thing will drive you up a wall. But yeah. So what's the next step? Like where? How how do you find that team? How do you find that team? Well, unfortunately. It's not an exact science, but thankfully I've been I've been meeting a lot of uh, really good people. Um, my my real goal at the end of the day, um, when I you know graduate next semester next year, um, I just want to find work. I just want to I want to find work where it gives me a little bit of time on the side. Mm -hmm. That's my goal. Just something that I can kind of be stable with. Easier said than done. Certainly. <laughs> Especially in the field that I'm going into. Yeah. So I'm well aware of the challenge that I've set myself. Mm -hmm. But regardless, you know, you keep working at it. But the big thing is, um, uh, as I mentioned, you know, I have ideas for like comics and stuff like that. And I have a graphic novel idea that I've been wor uh, working on for four years now, I believe. I've heard about this. Oh? We've talked before. Have we? Yeah, we have. I've talked to a lot of people. I know. And I'm pretty freaking tired. So I know. I know. So, so yeah. So the, I don't hold it against you. If, if you recall the idea, it's a rather big project. So, yeah. It's going to take we a long time. We talked for a while. <laughs> I usually remember people. So, I'm a little bit disappointed. I, I don't have the beard. 
Um, we were outside, um, and we were doing a, a, a shoot for... Was it last year? Could have been yeah. last year. Yeah, it was last yeah. year. Pre-COVID. But after you pitched it? Maybe. Oh, you were there. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm beginning okay. to remember. Okay. You oh, you guys, idea. you guys were the one that told me about the yeah, and then you the pitch, your thing. Mm-hmm. and then I, I was like, yeah. oh sure, why not? Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. Uh, that was really cool. I wish I recorded. There, so basically, what it was, uh, somebody recorded mine. Uh, didn't record his. I, don't I forget. Think so. I'm not sure. It's probably. Uh, oh, it was somebody on their phone. I just yeah. asked him to. Okay. I recorded um, yours. Hey. Pretty sure. Nice. That's probably who who recorded it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, but basically, what we're talking about it, it's like it was like a judging panel. Two people, three people, three, two people. It, it was two two, two directors. Yeah. Um, of pretty small production stuff. Mm-hmm. One one of my friends that actually pitched an idea. Uh, he he knew the one of the directors and he knew like his work and stuff. Um, but it was two uh, movie short film movie directors. Um. And one of the guys' claim to fame was he was able to pitch uh, in person his movie idea to the guy that created Sharknado. And oh, yeah. I thought it was hilarious because he mentioned that. And I was like, is that something that you want to be telling people? <laughs> uh, or I don't is know. That I like, had like or, five sequels. So is that like a good go- chance for it? Uh, yeah, idea, I mean, I hey, it's like it's it's a well-known name, but is it well-known in the way that you want it known? I mean, Birdemic is well-known now, so. Yeah, that is true. Um Thanks to Corridor Digital, a lot more people yeah. know of this. Uh, I wouldn't call it a phenomenon, but but basically, we were able to pitch our movie script idea, uh, graphic novel ideas uh, to them, quote unquote. They they pitched it to us as if we were going to potentially get uh, paid from BS. this, and then I was like, eh, I mean, hey, like, but basically, it gave them the opportunity to. Um, potentially use one of our our ideas for their movies or whatever or work with us but at the end of the day basically what it was was just a judging panel uh, on our skills of pitching mm-hmm. um, on how well we uh, developed uh, our ideas for these novels for these uh, graphics uh, and, and all these things and it was really cool uh, I got a friend a couple of my friends <clears throat> that um, that uh, are film majors uh, Actually, my very first podcast was with them, um, and I told them about it, and we all, a couple of us, were able to just like, hey, let's sit down and just write our script ideas uh, in the two minute, I think, amount that we were supposed to pitch it, and that was actually a ton of fun. That was a uh, lot of fun. You guys told me about that. Yeah, and that was, was that after the 48-hour film challenge? Yeah, yeah, it was after that. Jeez. I don't think I'll ever do... Like an animated forty-eight hour film challenge or something like that. You should. Mm, I don't do all nighters. <laughs> you should. No, I. You I, should do the twelve hour, and then sleep, and then another twelve hour. No, he just sleep for twelve hours. That's <laughs> for all forty-eight yeah. hours. Or hey, hey. I mean, it'd work. You just I mean, start already... the clock. You just start the clock again. Oh, and, yeah, and then yeah, you just keep work. going. Yeah. yeah. No, I I could do something like that. I could do like. Um, Let's coordinate like it. Let's coordinate hour. it, and I would, I would join. I would, I would try to do it. You could do the illustration. I could do the. Hey, we could do it. Hey, we could do a team. Yeah. We could do a team I'd effort. I, I would actually. Well, not right now. Not right actually, now. actually <laughs> I'm too much. Them in like five years. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I'm. I'm so 
Oh, gosh. I have too much on my plate. No, 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 no. You have a good 48 hours just free. Yeah, you got like two <laughs> hours. You know? Do I? <laughs> Maybe 48 minutes. Yeah. Goodness. Meanwhile, I, you're just podcasting. No. Nah, I am actually kind of taking a little bit of a break because yeah. I've been definitely feeling burnt out. I think I worked like 50 to 60 hours last week just on the, the film alone. That That is something that I've uh, I've heard about a lot, especially in animation, is burnout. Burnout can be is a real bad thing. Is yeah, it's very real, it's a real thing. Feel bad for us. Yeah. No, the the thing about it is that it's so easy as an animator to work work yourself way too much. Yeah. Um, there's so much work that goes into animation. Um, it's the 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 number one ways to fight it are to recognize it, obviously, and and have people, other people, who recognize it, and then also to not force perfection on yourself. That's what I was um, gonna say. Was like especially when it comes to motion graphics mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff in animating specifically, you can make something to your mind's eye perfection, mm -hmm. but it's going to take you a lot longer. Mm -hmm. And so basically finalized productions is that balance of perfectionist and time and like yeah. how much can you put in and how much will you put in? And that's, I guess, where huge teams are able to come together to create full full length movies and stuff like that because you can't put one dude on a full thing and then just expect them that's why like the like even in hand hand uh drawings and stuff like that that's why you have those cleanup people because mm -hmm. you can't have the same person doing that all the time like on top of animating yeah on top yeah. of coloring i mean it depends on the production unfortunately animation is a very exploited field um, mm -hmm. it's, it's getting a little bit more talked about, which is good because there's, there are a lot of times when, you know, crunch and stuff like that is, it's, it's kind of important, honestly, mm -hmm. um, especially in places outside of the States or, or over in, in Asia, it's, it's horrendous. Um, so unfortunately that's something, it's kind of an uphill battle for animators, mm -hmm. um, because we as artists are already working against ourselves in overworking ourselves. Right. Yeah. And then along comes, you know, Mr. Businessman or whatever. He's like, hey, you know, uh, you want to work 100 hours this week? And it's kind of like, well, I already kind of do that to myself. So can I say no, really? And it, I think it's really important to start, you know, putting our foot down and being like, no, I'm not going to work myself until I'm in the freaking hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's the thing. It's like um, we have a friend here uh, named Kara, and she's kind of like, She's kind of gone around the art building and told people, like, to take care of themselves and yeah. how important that is. It's, like, it really, it's something that, like, people don't ever do in the art departments. Like, you look at, uh, you look at, like, Cal Arts, whatever. Yeah, like, I, I actually, um, I know someone, I, I know a couple people who went to SCAD. And you will never find what SCAD? SCAD is. It's similar. Southern it's like the Cal? east. It's the eastern version. It's the east coast version of CalArts, essentially. Oh, right? Okay. Super highly regarded and all this kind of stuff. You will find no one who will speak harder against it than alumni who came from that school because of what they went through. Essentially, uh -huh. um, it pushes you way too hard. It's 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 again. It's it's just that heavy exploitation, and so um, again, yeah. It's, uh, like he was saying, Kara, she's fantastic about having a um, schedule mm -hmm. and being like, nope, seven o'clock, 
time to time to put work aside uh, and relax, right? Yeah. And I actually have a similar rule. I'll work until like midnight sometimes, but I tell myself I will not do an all nighter and I will not sacrifice sleep. Um, sleep. So so if I work until um, two in the morning, I'm sleeping until like one in the afternoon. Yeah, right. That's that's no <laughs> ifs ands or buts. I'm getting enough sleep. Um, and so I but, think it's but that's that's where a lot of people overlook that mm -hmm. because since something like animation like looks so appealing they just assume that you love it and yeah. if you love it then you can sacrifice sleep for it but it's basically with like every job mm -hmm. it's like it doesn't matter how much you like it or not yeah. when it becomes too strenuous you shouldn't there, there's a point where you shouldn't keep yeah. going the number one lesson i learned from my first job which was actually working in a glass factory was learning when to say no we're learning when to be like, nope, I'm not Superman. I can't do this because mm -hmm. otherwise, you know, I could have worked myself to death. I yeah. almost did actually. And so um, being able to be like, nope, this is not possible um, mm -hmm. is incredibly important. And I think that that's maybe one of the things that unfortunately really gets over, um, does not get talked about enough in places like SCAD or CalArts or, you know, these high-end schools. But then again, that's because they don't actually care, but that's another topic. Yeah. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's it's very important to learn your limits, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I think it's actually part of the reason I don't tell stories about superheroes because, you know, I, I can't do that in good faith. I can't tell a story about someone who can just push himself to this unbreakable edge, right? You know, mm -hmm. in good faith, because, you know, I saw what that did to me. And so I, I prefer to tell stories about people who, who don't have that, mm -hmm. who, who have to figure out ways to not do that, essentially. Um, I, I just find that so much more fascinating, I guess, and so much more important. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, so... We talked about um, Kriya, Kriya? Krita? Krita. Krita, yes. So we talked about Krita as like one of the first things that people can do to get into animating. Um, it's a good starting point if you have like a digital drawing pad. Hmm. Otherwise, pick up some paper. Paper, and you could do flipbook. Flipbook. Uh, if you, everybody's got a camera on their phone now, mm -hmm. um, so you can you know figure out a way to like tape a camera up and then you know do it the old-fashioned way if mm -hmm. you want it can kind of be fun i started with claymation when i was eight years old oh that's cool um that was my first venture into animation and that's really nice because you don't have to be very good at drawing mm -hmm. in order to do claymation um and all you need is clay and a camera or even go even further than that and just start with legos yeah yeah legos lego stop absolutely. motion is like a huge thing mm -hmm. and there's lots of people who have you know techniques for doing it it's super like it's modular so it's a lot easier to to do different things with it and everything. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great way to start. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a bit less like technical as far as like the clay and stuff like that. Well, yeah, but if you're starting out, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Making starting things out. simpler for yourself is a good thing. You yeah, know? not Don't be afraid all. To start simple. Not all animators can get their inspiration or things from strictly two D hand drawn. Yeah, stuff. I mean that that you're stacking a lot on that. You're stacking, you know being able to draw perspective in 2d and stuff like that. And that, that yeah. gets very challenging, right? Yeah. So being able to strip back, you know, and just look at more pure form kind of things like just basic mechanics or composition even. Right. Yeah. I remember hearing a story, um, 
about uh, the guy behind Cinema Massacre, the angry video game nerd, James Rolfe. Um, his cinematic learning experience started when he was a young kid and he would actually film his own, you know, quote unquote movies playing with toys, right? Mm -hmm. And what that did for him, at first you think, well, what, you know, what does that do for someone? You know, that's completely detached, you know, that looks nothing like a movie. Yeah. But it kind of does because you have to learn, okay, how do you shoot something, right? How do you, I get this character in the shot and this character in the shot? Yeah. It's the basics of composition right there. Uh, one of my friends that I did the podcast with, um, he, uh, he created a, I think it was like 10 or 15 minute, uh, short film mm -hmm. using a, a good, a Godzilla model toy. Mm -hmm. And it was a stop motion animation. And he in he included After Effects um, projections and all these different things. And he's getting more into like um, storytelling, <clears throat> specifically with After Effects and stuff like that. But it was just like it was just really neat. And like one of the coolest things that they talk about with stop motion animation is, and this is what he said, is like in order to just start out, literally make a water bottle have character. Or he's like, just just take inanimate small objects and give them character, um, and that's like the the basic starting point. And that's and the same as animation, like a bunch of these things, um, like the twelve rules, twelve animation, principles, yeah. twelve principles of animation. I, uh, I I'm, I guarantee I know what they are, but I haven't heard them in that phrase type yeah. of thing. Um, and so that's super interesting. The fact that there's like a, a quote unquote model to kind of understand like the, the principles kind it's of like the well. rules of physics type of thing. That but, was made back in the thirties. <laughs> yeah. But like, basically like in order to start these people will, and I've seen it where it's super cool where they'll, they'll, they'll make a cube. They'll, they'll draw a cube and give that cube character. And yeah. it, and it's like the extreme basics. Ryan Katrosa, who was just on like a few minutes ago, mm -hmm. um, we talked about electrical engineering and uh, I basically was asking him about um, like the basics and like how people get started and stuff like that. But the main intimidation factor was uh, mathematics. A lot of people love what happens and the outcome of electrical engineering, but they're intimidated by mathematics. But basically he was like, don't be afraid of it. Just it, it's bare basics of things that you can learn later. Mm -hmm. Like, you're, you're going to build these things in time. And like what you were saying, like drawing, like you don't have to be the greatest drawer to become an animator. Like it's something that you can learn and something that you can definitely build upon uh, to create the best story. Well, that, that certainly is where I began. And the number one thing I tell people who are just getting into drawing, don't even at first worry about the fundamentals if you don't want to, right? Hmm. The first thing you should worry about is learning how to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, yeah, draw definitely. what you enjoy first. Yeah. And then obviously, if you want to take it to the next step, maybe it'll just be a hobby, right? And if it's going to be just a hobby, then you don't even need to worry about, you know, making it any better. You just need to worry about enjoying it because it's a hobby, right? Yeah. yeah. If you want to take it to the next professional level, obviously, you want to look into figure drawing. You want to look into the basics. You want Perfectionist. To into, yeah. You want, you want to start, you know, developing your skill as a draftsman, right? But it is very important, I think, to start off with what you enjoy. Because if you don't, when you get into those harder things, like um, the, the 15 billionth cube that you've had to draw because you just can't get cubes right, 
you'll always be able to look back on what you started with and remember, this is why I got into it. And that is so vital. That is so important. Mm -hmm. um, that's what will carry you is that almost, it's almost like um, remembering your childhood, yeah. right? And, and, and that enjoyment and everything like that. And going back and like playing a game that you used to when you were a kid, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, it harkens back and it, it, it carries you forward, right? It's something you can carry forward with you. And so that's why it's really important. And that's why I don't harp on my older work. I actually don't agree on going, oh, you know, I was a terrible artist back then. Look how terrible it is. Look at all these problems. Because that's not what I was doing, you know. Yeah. Um, that's not the point of it. And it, and it's the same with me in, like, sketching and stuff like that. Um, like what you're saying, you have to learn um, that you're not always going to perform to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. And as long as you just enjoy it. Like, people, like, I, one of the things that I've heard most of my life is, uh, wow, I wish I could draw. Because mm -hmm. like they see something and they're like, wow, I wish I could draw. And it's like, but you can. And that was, and, and when I was really young, like that was just like, uh, like a phenomenon that, that was always occurring in my head. Mm -hmm. As I would look at this person and I'm just like, but you can, mm -hmm. like, as long as you enjoy it, yeah, you can get just as much satisfaction out of what I do with my own sketches as you can from your own sketches. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. like you like whatever your own style is and like stylistically nobody's perfect. Um even like photorealism to me isn't appealing. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. it's like it's not interesting. <laughs> it, 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 well, to them it's extremely interesting and I could totally see why it's very interesting. But then you can come to uh other completely different styles like extreme surrealism like mm -hmm. where nothing's like a like physics based yeah. Yeah. at all and that that too is like i could see why that is extremely interesting as long as it's interesting to you just make sure you know you like it and even and and harking back to like the uh uh the mental health stuff it's yep. like even if you really really enjoy it find something that you really really enjoy so that you can do it as often as possible but also know that mental health is a big thing yeah. and that, oh yeah, the one thing that I really wanted to push on was just because you feel that, um, uh, that, that roadblock or like that, uh, that burnout, just because you, that you feel that burnout doesn't mean that you're bad at it or it doesn't mean that you no longer enjoy what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It just means burnout, everybody has burnout and burnout is a topic that that can take a lot more time yeah but basically certainly. it's like do what you love especially with animation because you really want to go on to the next frame yeah like you really want to just grind it out and just do it to the best of its ability and even add frame add frame mm -hmm. yeah. but um Seriously. but it's just be able to to take your time and kind of just like step away and be able to to, to realize when something is actually finished on that topic of, you know, the idea of burnout and, you know, when you look at your artwork and then you go, oh man, this looks terrible. That actually, it's good to put yourself into a very specific mindset. And my, me and my brother have a term for it. It's called the paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is it's, it's the point where you're right on the verge of getting better. It's, you're right on the verge of, of improvement, essentially. And um, when that happens, it can feel like, man, I can't draw, right? But what's happening is that you are holding yourself to a higher standard. Uh, mm -hmm. And that is a good thing. That means that you're getting better. And so it's good to go, wait a minute. That means I'm improving. 
That means that I'm on the verge of actually getting better. And sometimes what it means is that you should take a break um, and kind of meditate and let your brain kind of settle back down before you go back to it. Because uh -huh. um, what that will allow is, is it'll allow you to reapproach. Um, you're kind of set in your ways when you've been working on something for a long time. And so when that paradigm comes, uh, you don't know how to deal with it. Your hands will go to your old habits, your old habits that maybe aren't as good as you want them to be. Mm -hmm. And so when you leave for a little bit and you come back to it, now you can start developing these new habits. You can start um, re-emphasizing what you want to re-emphasize to help with that paradigm shift. Yeah, totally. Super cool. Oh, oh, uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting, and, and it's and it's on that whole uh, argument of like storytelling. It's it's based storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like no matter how much physics or no physics that you put into it, no matter how much motion or whatever, it, at the end of the day, it's strictly storytelling. I um, always put storytelling over art. Yeah. You know. And there, there's an artist that I found. Um, uh, I don't believe he does any animation, but he create he creates master masterpieces, paintings, digital paintings. Mm -hmm. And like they are amazing, extreme detail, and like extreme skill. And but you, but people, I don't even know much about the person, about the artist specifically, but except for the fact that he made like a particular quote, and people asked like, how did you get so good at art, and how are how are you such a good artist? Like all these like praiseworthy questions, and his answer to everything was. I, I don't consider myself an artist. I consider myself a storyteller. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't care how good or how bad I do art. He's like, as long as I know that I'm telling a story, he's like, that's where everything comes from. That's my mentality when I approach. Again, I'm still that writer I was when I was you know, 11 years old figuring out you know, how things work, right? That's mm -hmm. where I came from and that's where I, that's where I approach. And especially when it comes to like character design and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. like, it no longer makes it like, oh, this looks cool, put it on him. Oh, this looks cool, put it on him. Literally, this guy, this this artist's like appeal was, this came from somewhere. Where did it come from? Like, and it can literally just be like a scar. Mm -hmm. Like when one person just throws scars on a character and calls them ba battle damaged, like like oh yeah, that's super cool. This guy actually took the time to think, as he's doing it, he's like. This came from this, and that's where this emblem came from on his satchel. Mm -hmm. Like all that crazy little details. But yeah. but meanwhile, people are like, "Wow, you're just an amazing perfectionist artist." And he's like, "No, I'm just strictly a storyteller." There's actually a story that I have called the Lantern Folk that that revolves around that idea that every pretty much everything you see has a story behind it. Yeah. And so all the objects that a person carries, or the way that they dress, or the way that they are, the way that they act all contributes to their story and it's it's kind of my it's it's sort of the embodiment of my philosophy that story is the embodiment of my philosophy as a storyteller where it's like everything comes from somewhere yeah. right and so you have a character that carries a lantern and the lantern becomes significant right mm -hmm. um or they're carrying you know kind of the stick with these tassels on it and the tassels are torn up why are they torn up what did they used to be kind of thing right yeah. and so it's it's um a lot of fun to play with that and it's a lot more interesting it's a lot more intricate um, suddenly, you know, that's where details come from, um, is, is from uh, the nature of the story, the nature of the character himself, you mm -hmm. know, and it almost speaks to you. Yeah. Um, well, I wish you guys best of luck on your guys' journeys. Um, super cool. Um, anything else you guys would like to add? Um, 
final thoughts? Honestly, I think I'm too tired to come up what? with anything significant. <laughs> Couldn't hear you. Oh, uh, any like final thoughts? Um, inspirational think, words. Yeah, I don't words know. If you're interested in art, just do it. <laughs> just do it. I don't know. Like, don't worry about it. Just do it. The yeah. world needs more stories. That's what I say. Hmm. So never think that you do not have a place if you are a storyteller. Hmm. Or if you rather, if you have a story, yeah, no, and don't think that you need to be someone big to make a story, hmm. or that you need to be some great big director to make a film, right? Or even the greatest artist. Even yeah, doesn't matter. What matters is that you tell it. Hmm. You know, at the end of the day, you tell it before you're dead. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, like I said, I almost I had a close brush with death, and coming out of that, I realized nobody would have known any of the stories or the ideas that I had in my head, I have to tell them. Hmm. And that has been my thing that has pushed me to just get out and do it and, and to tell the story and to yeah. put aside stupid things like perfectionist, perfectionism or, or, you know, thinking that I'm not good enough or something like that. No, forget that. You know, I'm not going to lie on my deathbed once more and think I could have done better. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss that uh, storytelling philosophy another time. But until then... It was great having you guys. It was great being here. Thank, Thank you. you for coming out, Cody. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. <laughs> thanks all around. Thanks all around. And thanks for listening. Thank you for the audience. Thank <laughs> you for the audience. Thank you for the music, for all the passerbyers that were looking at us quizzically. Um, Not the first time. Nah. Never will be the last. Um, I wish you luck on your project. Yes. And you on your projects. Your any projects, yep. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Absolutely. And um super cool. <laughs> 48 hour film challenge? Maybe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe sometime. Maybe, maybe when I'm not future. already working distant 12 hours future. a day. <laughs> maybe the summer or something. Yeah. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Yeah. But until then. Be creative. Tell your stories. Tell your stories. Um, strive for perfection, but don't kill yourself. Certainly. <laughs> and animation is a great thing to do. No, no disagreeing here. No disagreeing. Awesome. Not at all. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Andrew. Super fun. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time.